Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. On today's Believe in Chicago Sports podcast, we're back and so are the Bulls. Thank the gambling gods, they covered that and a lot more exciting stuff in the game, which we'll break down. And the Chicago Bears, still owned by the Green Bay Packers, specifically Aaron Rodgers, but it's now off to face a different Hall of Fame quarterback this weekend. And the Chicago White Sox, it's been a while since we last spoke about it, but out of the playoffs. Very sad, very somber. We're going to reflect on all of that on episode 59 now. Welcome in to the Believe in Chicago Sports Podcast, your home for the best Chicago sports talk. I'm Joey Gellman. You can follow me on Twitter at Joey Gellman. The man on the other side of the Skype, he is Dan Collins. You can follow him at TweetDanCollins. The show, Believe in Chicago Sports, is also on Twitter at Believe in Chicago, part of the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Well, we took a, you know, week to week hiatus here. There was some busyness in our lives and some 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 you know fun travel and everything and and uh, a lot happened. Uh, the we the last episode we had the White such as Chicago sports right. The last episode we had the White Sox were AL champs. The Bears were heading into Vegas, which they inevitably won. Which that's where I was last week or two weeks ago. And then uh, the Bulls were exciting as we had the back half of the preseason and now we sit here with two out of three making you cry and the bulls is what we'll start with because uh they're a brand new team and this this makeover is real i know they had some some stretches last night in their season opener which was a win they covered per dan so uh all you betters out there you better yes, be happy the gambling gods right yeah um but no, there, there's going to be some bumps in the road for this team, but it's just, it's a brand new kind of aura around this group and excitement, and it shows you truly what can happen when you literally blow up everything, and it's going to be fun. I I was encouraged, and we got some good IO minutes last night, which always makes me happy, um, but it's, it's a new era for the Bulls, and whether that means they're going to win a championship, you never know, but... This team, as constructed, is a completely different team and philosophy from what we've seen over the last million years with Garpax, and it's refreshing. And, you know, we don't have to get in the biggest X's and O's of the game, but it's just, it's it's nice to see a Bulls team you can be excited about again. And for the first time in a long time, you can do that with this group. Wow, can I have some spear season tickets over there? Mercy! Look at this. Joey Galvin, you're a season ticket holder now. Did you trade in the beer season tickets for the for the Bulls or No, not sadly yet? not. I might have Be- to. Before I get before I get into that game, I was actually taking notes here while you were saying that all the things we've missed in just that short amount of time. Yes, the White Sox were AL Central champs, no longer in the playoffs. And this just what, being like two weeks, like literally yeah, like pretty much. today or yesterday as we're recording it. You went to Vegas, correct? You saw the game. Yes, I got pictures. You were there in person. So since then, the Bears went to Vegas. They won. John Gruden got fired. <laughs> Gruden's gone since we last since we lasted a, a podcast. Total Chicago sports fans of us, especially uh, Chicago sports commentators of us. Chicago Blackhawks are already getting booed off the ice. That's they're true. A handful of games in, they're they're already getting. I didn't even bring them up in the open because they weren't worth talking about. 
No, hey, don't worry about it. Talk some hockey, not yet. So they are getting already getting booed off the ice. Chicago Bulls winning by a thousand points in preseason. You gotta love it, which we're gonna talk about shortly. And um, afterwards, yeah, we're gonna get into a little bit of the Chicago Bears. Obviously, not the Vegas game. We'll go off the last one and a touch of preview with the next one against Tampa Bay. I know a lot of salty meatball fans want to discuss that, so we're gonna give them some things. Uh, we're gonna talk about meatball it here. Meatballs so sound good ahead. They do sound good. Not <laughs> Chicago sports fan meatballs. Those are the worst. But yes, Joey, I agree. We've been waiting for a while, right? Like you got a little bit of a taste in it in preseason, you know, where they had a couple of those blowout wins and everybody's like, wow, Chicago Bulls like really are for real. Like you knew going in as long as they stay healthy. Yes, it's going to be an entertaining squad. Exactly how entertaining. Well, they upped the level a little bit in preseason, albeit just NBA preseason. It is what it is. But then you really got like a small little taste of it, and you wanted more. And now you get the first game against the Pistons, and look at this. Five and a half cover, once again. <laughs> I'm talking like I had money on the game. Maybe I did, maybe I didn't. But um, yeah, I mean, exciting stuff. I mean, definitely there's there's some things to, you know, so we don't have to break down all the X's and O's, but just some things you're noticing is like, the play by Zach Levine, obviously leading them out there, leading the charge out there. I would assume I'm getting a little bit of taste of NBA action, right? Right there on the floor. What was it like? Seven points, eight points, whatever it is he put up in like just over 10 minutes or whatnot. But that's fun for any former Illini fan or even just Chicago sports fan who wants to root for a hometown kid. Um, it's just going to add right to the excitement. And, like you said, I mean, I know you. It's a little, it was a little tongue in cheek, and you joked about it more or less with like you know rooting them on to the championship and things like that. But finally, like a basketball team like to root for with a little more of a purpose, right? And we talked about this before, but you could watch this, you can have a little fun. The expectations aren't through the roof, right? Like they they're not that lofty. Who knows? Maybe the Bulls. It's pretty good. It's going to be pretty damn competitive this year in terms of even making the damn playoffs, but. You hope that's obviously where they wind up on season's end, but right now it's like that perfect little that perfect little spot where we talked about it before, where the Chicago White Sox were two years ago, right, and like their rebuild, and like where the Chicago Cubs were like three years, like twenty maybe like 2014, 2015, like a year or two before their World Series in twenty sixteen, where the expectations aren't incredibly high just yet but you're at that point in the immediate rebuild where you brought in a very good amount of talent and now you can just kick back and watch some good bulls basketball and it's about damn time right <laughs> and, and i know you've talked about it a ton on this podcast is like not only trusting what's out there on the floor and even the coaching staff but as it even goes like to the front office just all around everybody who has you know big stake in this everybody who's from the top down making these executive decisions and what's going to, what the product is going to be out there and then what the product even is, you, you kind of trust it, right? For, for now, right? Like there's so far there's been, there hasn't been nothing done in this short tenure, you know, that, that the front office has that makes you think like, Ooh, kind of questionable. Like it is what it is. And so far the moves seem to be fine and moving in the right direction. So, well, I'd be out there at the United center uh, on Madison and Damon quite a few times this year for Chicago bulls basketball. Maybe, um, but I don't know. watching, watching just most sports games, unless maybe baseball, like just always significantly better on the couch. Maybe I'm just a couch potato, but yeah, I mean, good stuff that I saw. And like I said, you, you, you take it not with a grain of salt, but 
is what it is, right? You just, it's going to be a, a fun season of Bulls basketball. Cheers to game one victory. Cheers, yeah. It's worth your time again. And I know that sounds so silly, but it's it's true. It's You, you can now carve out time in your evening and go, oh, this looks entertaining. I'm going to watch it. Instead of Netflix, I'm watching that for the this. Blackhawks that, that we just mentioned slash forgot. You're not doing that for the Blackhawks. But that's what we mean, right? It's like maybe for Blackhawks hockey this year, you're not going to cover out so much time. But for Chicago Bulls basketball, Joey's carving out all the time. Always. I got to get a little stage just, of king in your life. <laughs> or just a little. I don't know. Like, what what to you, I would say, like, is the most exciting? Like, after watching one game, would you say is it the most exciting thing you're looking forward to in that? And now that you're going to carve out a little, or maybe that's it, right? Maybe it's that you know you're going to carve out a little bit of time for Bulls basketball. I think it's also the. I mean, I'm not trying to get ahead of myself, but I I, I truly oh, I truly think the reason you're you're more excited and watching this is because you have it in the back of your head that this team's actually going to compete for the playoffs. Like, and that's something you haven't had in a long time. I mean, just think about the stats I said last night, right? First one of those starts since 2016, and first time over 500 since 2017. So you'd have, you've had that long of time of losing basketball. So this is the first time in that stretch, but now you can say, okay, ties have turned. This is worth my time because it's probably going to be a playoff team. And, you know... Clearly, by their off-season moves, the bill of goods they were selling you of all this young core growing together was garbage, and they weren't that good of a group. So now you've gotten rid of almost everyone, and you you have Levine and Kobe White, and then this whole new group that's that's actually established NBA players that you know can maybe make some noise. I know the East is tough, but that that's where it, it, it it's a grown-up basketball team that hopefully will play in a style that matches the current league they're actually in versus playing below it. Kind of like the team at Soldier Field where they play in a different level than the rest of the competition. But we don't have to go to Bears just yet if you got any more on the Bulls. But it's it's funny how they've, they've switched spots. No, I mean, as, as a matter of fact, thanks for the transition because I was going to say that the tides be changing at the United Center, but not on the lakefront where... There are Aaron actually Rogers, tides. <laughs> that and Aaron Rodgers still in full control of them when he's in town on, you know, once a Sunday of the year. You were at the game, Joey. I don't know if you um, were close enough or even from where you were sitting saw him taunting all the fans at the, uh, at the end zone, but... You know, and maybe a lot of Bears fans will hate me for this comment, but even when it happened in live time, I just, like, laughed because it felt so, like, it's like, you know what? Yes. And, like, the world does need to see this, right? It was almost like when um, it was, like, guard packs getting booed, like, at All-Star yeah. Game weekend. They're like, you're like, yeah, you're like, you need, like, that level of embarrassment, right? Like, I was almost happy that all the hot mics and everything there caught it because – like, it wasn't necessarily like he was screaming into a mic and looking into a camera. No, he was, you know, looking at a fan or two and, like, it just kind of came out. Didn't know necessarily how much of it would get caught on a hot mic, right? But it did. It was, like, almost perfect. It's like, yes, like, you're absolutely right. Now can we effing fix it, Chicago Bears? You know what I'm saying? Like, he does. And anybody who was watching that game or anybody who's just a casual enough NFL fan and saw it on their, on a Twitter or an Instagram and saw the quote there, hell, even Tom Brady is like bringing it back this week and making a joke about it. Like it's out there now, 
right? Like people can find the audio, you can listen to it, and it's, it's embarrassing, right? Like if if you're the Chicago Bears, at least if you're somebody high enough the chain, you should see it as very embarrassing. So I don't know, like I I, I know there's there's fans out there who are you know complaining about the you know was Green Bay Packers and the refs and this and that, but no, I mean Packers were the better team. You were out there. You saw it with your own two eyes, Joey. And not only that, like I said, the, the biggest takeaway from that, which everybody's taken away out of that, is you know the Aaron Rodgers comment. And so be it. So be it. Yeah, it's it. You know, maybe it's their fire Garpax moment. Like you said, you know, I mean, people have been railing on the Bulls for years and blogs and podcasts and radio and TV. Nothing seemed to get through until that moment in the All Star Game. When they're chanting that on national TV behind Zach Levine, and it kind of was like a wake-up call of like, oh, this is like a national embarrassment. Maybe what we're doing is wrong. And maybe that's what you have here for the Bears, right? I mean, he, he Aaron Rodgers, rightfully so, has owned you. You know, he's not lying. 22-5 um, and five record speaks for that. But... Maybe it's that kind of moment that, you know, all of us in our little spaces that can't kind of get through to to Bears brass, that maybe this is the one that that does. And some of these things that are going on become unacceptable because, you know, I know there's going to be difficulty and roadblocks and bumps with a rookie quarterback in Justin Fields. I get that. I, I we, we all signed up for that and clamoring for him. But... You know, I I left that game on Sunday just kind of really pissed off and infuriated. And, and it's just, a, I'm sick of this trope. I'm sick of this storyline of every week, Here it it's comes. the same yep. thing. It's this broken, discombobulated offense that has no rhythm to it except for that first drive and one of the last drives of the game when they scored that mixes and matches things that don't make sense, don't play to player strengths, and just kind of stumbles their way through a game on a team led by someone who's supposed to be an offensive genius who now has his team ranked 30th in the league in offense. And I know he gave a play calling, but that's still an indictment of what's kind of going on here. And and it's just every week you just sit here and it's exactly what I said for what the Bulls used to be of. You watch this team for three hours on a Sunday and they're playing a different, difficult, ugly game of football that the rest of the league isn't watching. Or excuse me, that isn't playing. Playing, yeah. <laughs> We're what? Yeah. They're they're playing at a level that is well, so... Maybe both. Yeah, maybe. Both but they're playing at such correct. a poor level that the other team isn't playing at around the league. I mean, you know, I was talking to a buddy about it. It's even Jacksonville and Miami last weekend in London. They're crap. But they each even put up 20-plus points, right? So... Clearly, something's wrong here that keeps being done wrong, and they can't get out of their own way to fix it. They make it so hard. Everything looks so difficult to complete. And so it's just, I'm just tired of it. And so, you know, I'm not calling for fire sale changes. Like, we're not at that point. But something's got to give here where someone's got to stand up. Yeah, right. (laughs) But something's got to give here where it just, it, 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 it gets unacceptable at a point. And I can't keep doing this on Saturday with Illinois and Sunday for the Bears. I might as well just move to a remote island and cry myself to sleep. I mean, you say that, but if that's the case with, 
you know, doubling down Saturday, Illinois and Sunday, Chicago beers. You've already been doing that for 10 plus years already. So <laughs> I'm, I'm going to call your bluff there, Joey, but no, I mean, here's the thing. And once again, it's expectations, right? It's like my favorite word when it comes to sports and Chicago sports and the expectation going into that game is like the bears don't have much of a chance. Like, Rookie quarterback still finding his way. The mistakes are going to be there. I think definitely as a plus, Matt Nagy got not calling the plays, but the play calling now is going to be very much geared toward small steps. You know, let fields grow. Let him make some, like, let's not, you know, ask for too much. However, something I was thinking about the other day was eventually, like, you're going to have to. You're going to have to like ask for a little bit of more. And at the end of the day, if he makes some big mistakes by maybe like throwing it downfield more, so be it. Let him learn how to throw downfield then. Because damn it, Joey, you're right. There's playing a different style of football. And I get why. Like, I understand the logic behind it. I understand like Nagy's giving up play calling for a reason. So, you know, you can have somebody there that's now putting something in play that plays a little more to field's strengths at the moment as he's still learning how to be a professional quarterback and hopefully, you know, a top a top tier franchise guy eventually. But if enrolling him out there, and maybe this will happen like mathematically, right? When the Bears are like no longer like in a playoff race or something, you know, five plus weeks down the road or whatnot, but let him make the big mistakes then. Right, like throw the ball downfield way more, at least two or three more times a game, because that's the football we play now. Like, how many football games do you watch, Joey, on a, on a Sunday, Monday? Heck, even tonight, Thursday, which I'll be, you know, we're recording here now on a Thursday, and I'll be returning on the night game as soon as we're done. How many like pass interference calls do you see deep every game? Like any yeah. game that you're watching, you, you pick a random game, like. That's just like there's so, and I'm not saying like throw down field just to get a pass interference call, but like that's no? what the game is. That's why so many people. That's why so. That's why every team does it. Like every team except the Bears, like because like it's it's in your advantage. Like take shots. Like the very like the worst thing that's going to happen is, is is an interception. Like it's going to be a turnover. But other than that, your guy's going to catch the ball. He'll have his two feet in, or it's going to be a pi call. And like that's just what it is. Period. In the league, that's why there's you know there's so much passing and. I don't know. I mean, I, I actually saw it a lot with the um, the Monday Night Football game when I was glued to the TV because I had Derrick Henry as my fan, fan uh, fantasy football running back who went ahead, busted out for thirty plus points and won yeah, me good the game. Choice. But, and you know what? I mean, he's totally a different kind of caliber running back. And with that, Tennessee could play off that play action way more effectively than a lot of other teams in the league. But in watching how they attack the field in a play action sense or whatnot, and, you know, Tannehill's there now in the pocket, throwing it deep. Saw a lot of those calls, either AJ Brown or, you know, that once or twice when Julio Jones coming up with a big catch, big play, either that happens or you get like a PI call. Right. And like I said, obviously it's not going to be the same system as like Titans are running, but the, the point that we're driving home here is, is start doing that. Or at least that I'm trying to drive home here is like, now it's time. I think it's time game by game, start implementing that a little more because that's the quarterback that you need Justin Fields to be. That's the quarterback you need any NFL starting quarterback to be. So that's kind of what's been my takeaway lately. If he's going like now, if you're going up against the Tampa Bay bucks and uh, Hall of like twenty one year old Tom Brady. Um, he's not twenty one, right? But yeah, like the the never aging forty four year old, forty five year old, whatever he is, Tom Brady. 
odds aren't amazing that maybe you win that game. And I'm not throwing in the, the towel early, but if the game's getting a little out of line, a little out of hand, and you got to pass the ball anyways because you're down a couple touchdowns, let them air them out. Let them air it out. If it's a pick or whatever happened, which would be the worst case scenario, you live with it. But I'm ready to see at this point, you know, I'm kind of kind of pressing the gas here now on give me more fields development in the way that it has to happen. Maybe I'm asking for too much, but that's my that's just what my thought process was. And like not only watching, you know, his last couple starts and even you you talking about once again, which is true, they're playing a different style of football. Yeah, I, I don't think you're asking for too much. I, I, I think they have to allow him to make those mistakes. And I think they're just, it, it's not even, you know, style or scheme, right? Like, you know, if they are winning by running the football and being a little more game manager with the quarterback, like, that's okay. Like, whatever gets you a win gets you a win. It's just everything looks so clunky and so difficult. And there's never a rhythm to anything. There's never a sequence of plays that you watch and you go, oh, these fit together. These fit what the defense is giving you. These are, you know, attacking their their weaknesses. You know, or Robinson has, you know, a drive where he's got three or four catches. And it's this big, you know, fantasy day for him and everyone else. It's, It's like, oh. Komet got a catch. Oh, Robinson got a catch. Oh, Kool Herbert. Now, I guess Kool Herbert had a good run since Jamie Williams is out and Montgomery's out. And it's just like, it, it, it's these one-offs that are the the sparkles that you have on offense versus a consistent offensive presence within a game. You may lose the game. I, I mean, I want them to win, but it, whatever. But I just want them to show up and and play the same game everyone else is playing and and they just don't every week and it's it sucks because even this weekend right it's tom brady they're 12 and a half point you know underdogs the bears okay but at least show us you still play in the same league as they do in some capacity that's all i'm asking is it too much you get the yeah, twelve and a half point underdogs. You get the Bears at you know plus five fifty now money line. If you if you want to go on ahead and uh, think after listening to this, the Bears will take some more chances and go on ahead and win the game uh, down at Raymond James, that Raymond James Stadium, right over there in uh, Tampa Bay. But, yeah, with the pirate ship. Yeah, and I mean, like you said, that's exactly it, Joey. I mean, that's kind of my point that I was getting at is no, I don't want it to happen either. But if at some point the game does start getting out of line, get a little more experimental. Why not? Um, it sounds like you're not um, the biggest fans of taking the beers. I, I take it you won't be taking that plus. I five don't think I can. <laughs> Maybe take the 12 and a half, huh? Maybe well, they beat Brady last year with Trubisky, so anything's possible. Is this going to be a mini, like, are you going to see, like, the the pissed off, like, embarrassed Tom Brady? Like, is he going to remind himself of, like, that loss and the embarrassing, like, doesn't even know what down it is? And is he just going to get into, like, a different Michael Jordan? I remember how that felt mode and, like, torched the Bears. Is that is that what's going to happen now? Yeah, it'll be the, for the last dance. What was it? I took offense to that? I think yeah, it just torches I took you. it personal. That's I took it personal, yeah. 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 The, Nick, the Foles great meme. Soldier, Nick Foles beat me in Soldier Field, and uh, I forgot what down it was, so I, I took it personal. So. That'll be the first thing they bring up on the broadcast, for sure, and then he'll... What, the Nick, that ass. Nick Foles beat him at Soldier Field? Or yeah, no, the picture, the down, with him, three or the four down. downs, yeah. <laughs> hey, even even the goats make mistakes, right? Even the goats make mistakes, but... No, I mean, I, I, yeah, I mean, that's... 
Well, that's obviously my thoughts on the beer. I don't know if you had any more to uh, to spiel before we go on ahead and cry about the Chicago White Sox for a few moments. But uh, <laughs> no, that that's it. I just I want them to be a competent team. I don't think that's too much to ask. <laughs> what <laughs> competence? Got it. Moving forward to a team that is now no longer playing. Um, I don't know how much you've been keeping up with the uh, MLB playoffs as is, Joey, but the Chicago White Sox no longer in the playoffs. I was at that game one at um at guaranteed rate of course the the first game that the white Sox had of course when they when they came back down 2-0 um so the home game game one and electric i mean absolutely amazing and you know what's funny like all those years the white Sox were out of the playoffs like i remember watching you know those games where it's the underdog and like they're down 2-0 like you know it's yankees and um you know give me like a wild like minnesota twins wild card team or something like you know pick a random year and um you know the yankees are like a 105 win team the twins are like an 89 win wild card team and like you still see the fans like down 2-0 like being absolutely electric and it's like oh, what do you like see this, this series is all but over like calm down but it's weird like and maybe this is because it's been so long since the White Sox had a home playoff game. Like, what, are you literally dating it back to 2008? Like, it's been over a decade since they were at home for the playoffs. And, like, nothing mattered. Like, being down 2-0 didn't matter. Like, who who gives a shit, right? Like, like let's, like, live this. And, like, there kind of was a little bit, like... There was a little something in my head that said, wow, like, you know, this could be it. Or, like, yes, like, I, I understand we're down 2 0. Like, you do understand the circumstances, but like, you just don't care. Like, I was there for that game. Like, you just want to live in that game. Like, it, it almost made me more excited to, like, really root for a win because, for all you know, like, that could be the last home game there, right? Like, it's more real. They're down 2 0. And I don't know if I, like, had that like super consciously in my head or if it was more subconscious, but you know, it it did have that feel like this could be it. Right. And it was, it was an elimination game. So, and obviously when they win, it's like, Hey, this is a short series. It's two, one now. Like (laughs) we win the second home game. Like we're back, baby. Like anything can happen in Houston, which obviously that's not how it went. Um, I know there was a lot, not a lot, but there was enough, you know, White Sox fans out there that were like mad for their own reasons. And at the end of the day, I think the consensus around this town is like, you hate to say it, but facts are facts. Like they weren't the better team, right? Like you, you could pinpoint a lot of things, but I think the majority of it, unfortunately, like, is talent. You know, like I think they did. I think the team did try their darndest, right? Like you might be able to point out like a mistake here, or there. Like you know, there's, there's people that want to go after like some Tony Larusa managing decisions, and like I get all that and whatnot. If you want to really break down the X's and O's and use hindsight, but I think the reality of the situation, if you're just looking at the product on the field, is and unfortunately, I like I hate giving it to the Astros. The Astros still feel like that really icky team in the MLB, right? Like it's funny you think back to like the 1917. What was it like White Sox, like the Black Sox? Uh, Part of me like scandal where it's like they're gambling on, they're throwing the World Series, and like you think back to like you know Pete Rose and still being banned from the Hall of Fame, and how like everybody like all the old scribes in baseball hate them. But then you look at what the Astros did, and we kind of like give them a slap on the wrist if it seemed like and move on so it's like part of me still feels icky even like giving them like any kind of props but is what it is they're the better team and i think what might help ease the pain and what might even help you know the perspective going into the offseason here is i mean astros was it one game away now as we recorded today of going like stamping another ticket to the po- to, to the world series pardon me almost a postseason stamping another ticket to the world series and 
Maybe they're facing the Braves. Maybe it's a whole other repeat of, you know, Astros Dodgers, which is also very possible because don't count the Dodgers out yet, folks. But I mean, say they go on ahead and win the damn thing. Then, you know, that obviously changes your perspective too, that, you know, you got bounced three games to one to the AL pen, you know, the AL, you know, central, the AL championship team or the, who knows, maybe world series team, world series champ. So I think that would add a little bit to it, but I want, I want a longer postseason. I want a longer post. We were just talking about it off the podcast. How was that? Two, two playoff wins since the 2005 World Series team, and two's not enough. Yeah, because they got it, swept in 08, right? They got swept by Tampa Bay. Yeah. Yes, they did. Swept by Tampa Bay, and then as we were talking about, too, they, they you know beat Oakland in one game last year before getting eliminated by them in Oakland. So, And unfortunately, due to all the circumstances, we weren't able to play a home, a home playoff game last year. So yeah, until this yeah. year... If they're going to win one this year, like if there was that one game they're going to win, I'm glad it was, you know, a home game. Yeah. And like one in Houston, and then they lose a couple in Chicago to, to get bounced. But I'm glad they were able to get the win while they were at home if they're going to get one. But you want more than one, don't oh, you? Oh, yeah. You, you, you want to you quite few more than one uh, playoff victory in the postseason. But who knows? Hopefully next year the boys get a little better, and I'm sure we'll talk about it during hot stove time and things of that nature. But, you know, at least at least the memory is there. There was the memory of that one playoff game that, you know, I can now add, you know, to the to the Dan Collins memory list. Well, good. I'm glad you can find the, the positive in it because this team was so much fun this year, and only have that short of a postseason just sucks. Because they were doesn't feel right. Yeah, it doesn't right. Feel right. They, they, they. Not that I. I mean, you can take a different perspective because you're the full Sox fan here. But I feel like they were kind of touted locally as that 2016 Cubs team, where this was supposed to be their year to win it all. And last year was the trial year. This year's the the full year, and they didn't get there. Not that it's a failure because they're still their window. I think is still open. But that's where I think people are a little more bitter because this was supposed to be a longer run. And it just didn't, it didn't happen. But you know, I I I I'm confident this team will be right back there next year easily. And you know, they may have to ship off Craig Kimball back to the Cubs because um, he only worked there. But um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's you feel you robbed. Had you had to go there. Sorry. Oh, no, I mean. You're not completely wrong. I, I, I think, like I said, we could obviously talk about it more, come like hot stove time and things of that nature. But I mean, at this point, you might as well just pick up his option and you know see where it goes from there. Maybe he gets better, you keep him. Maybe he gets better, you trade him, or you just see what you got, right? I mean, why, why let him go now for for literally nothing, right? You, if you're going to trade away one of your up and coming, you know, young young studs and magical, and you know, to yeah. acquire him, you might you might as well keep him around for at least one more year and and, and see what you got. So yeah, maybe. So so. Since we bitched and moaned before the season about Larusa, what what is your take now after a year under his belt? You know, it's like funny you go into this off season and it's like we were. I was talking about it with my buddies at the game. Like, no matter what the outcome is today, like let's say we lose and the, and the Sox were down, you know, by a crooked number early on in that game, and like we were already starting to think like, man, like once that's when I actually kind of did settle in. Like, this could be it. You know, this this can be it. Like. But what happens? Like, what's like the like the biggest next move? Like, is Larusa gone? Is he here? And you know he's going to be back, right? Like, not enough bad things happen managerial choice wise to like to make you think that for the White Sox, this didn't bring him back for one year just to be like, all right, either it's World Series or bust, and you're out of here. 
right? Like, he's going to be back. And I think he... I think he can learn from some of like what I would say like were the hiccups along the way, especially I know there's like the biggest question mark, at least for me. And I think universally for Sox fans or baseball fans is the management of like a one Kimbrel and Hendricks. And like, how do you get the best out of Kimbrel if like you kind of are saying that you understand he's a ninth inning guy, but you don't put him there. So if you like if you do have this understanding that that is his like optimal like place to be like that's when he needs to come into the game to get the best results and like you come to terms with that then like how do you then like make sure you work it that way especially if you have a guy like Hendricks who at least on the record is saying put me in the second put me in the seventh put me in the first and like he didn't say that verbatim but he did say you know put, put me in whenever you need me right so if you have a guy like that who would be willing to you know come out to we will rock you in the eighth inning instead of the ninth inning then maybe go on ahead and do that and maybe that's what happens next season right like if you if you go on ahead and you know pick up the action option of Kimbrell but I think obviously he'll be back and I know it's more or less like you know the the read I had on it one thing that I did like was most of the players like said nothing but positive things and of course that's probably going to be the case but Besides the whole Yerminator thing, right, and the whole, like, really funky turn that thing took, like, m- there wasn't anything that you heard, like, you know, whispers or, like, you know, mass, like, terrible post-social media posts or anything like that that really made it seem like LaRusso was out of touch with this team. And I'm not saying, like, he held the locker room together like a stud, but I'm not saying the opposite either. So I think as a Sox fan, I've come to terms that he's going to be there, and I think he did – a good enough job with letting the players still be themselves, right? Like still well, like how Matt Nagy put it, like they, they, were, they were being them, like be you, right? Like he didn't interfere with like the fun of them. And even like you just said, like it was a very fun, entertaining team, right? So like obviously he didn't get in the way of taking, like getting rid of that, which is the ultimate thing he couldn't do, right? Like that's what everybody was afraid of was that LaRusse is going to come and he's been out of the game forever. The game's getting so much more fun. It's getting younger, you name it. Um, when it comes to age and things like that, like not being an ageist, but the broadcast they put together for some of those games. God. Woof. <laughs> that was brutal. Like I said, not trying to be an ageist or anything like no, that. No, that that's, that's the way you degrow the game. I mean, that was just... It is what it is. They like the majority of those people come from a different time, and they played the sport in a completely different era. I mean, like three Hawk Harrelsons. I mean, they had a mean broadcast was fine, but the one on MLB Network was just Joey. What if you're watching the Super Bowl and Bart Starr is the commentator? You know what I'm saying? Or like Joe Namath is like the com. Like, what if Joe Namath is your analyst for this year's (laughs) for this for this year's Super Bowl? Right. All I see is Joe Namath Medicare ads, so it would be just as bad. (laughs) No, it's like if you had and like ILL and Go Bears, but like it's like if you had like Dick Buckus, right, as like an analyst or something. It's like that's literally what the MLB is doing. Is like somebody who like it's a different game, right? Like where I'm coming is Joe Namath played in a different different style of football. Like so did Buckus. Heck, even if you played football just like 15, 20 years ago, like we were just saying, it was a different game. Like you don't even see many analysts coming for like. Look at all the analysts you'll see like um you know on your on your screen this Sunday. It's going to be somebody who like a Olson Romo right like maybe even like Manning you'll see and like who've been out of the league like for maybe like four or five plus years but like they're still very like they the end of their careers were still in modern ish day football. 
And those are the people you want commentating on the game, right? It doesn't actually have nothing to do with age, but it's like when you played. And it's like, woof. But that's my wrap-up on that, I, I will say. So uh, that podcast, I mean that podcast, <laughs> that, that broadcast, holy moly. Just bad. Yep. Just basically bad. stats are the devil. Um, yep. Too flashy. <laughs> Back in my day, yeah, it's it was a recipe for disaster. That's like said, that's for it's like, sure. It's like if you're watching some football player from the 1970s talking about pound the football, run the football. Like it, like that's what like a comparison would be. Is right. If like you were listening to a football broadcast like that, which is definitely not where we are in the game of baseball. Let's let's try and grow the game. Yeah. Yes, and 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 be more you know forward thinking with how you win ball games and and you know play the game, but. We digest either way. So we'll be back next week with episode six zero, Joey. If I about if I, it, if I stay corrected, number sixty. So Wait, did you say we digest versus we digress? Are you hungry? <laughs> I, I might be super. super. How, many, how many of these Oktoberfests did I have? Another one of my bloopers from um, what, what was it when um. When we were in college radio, and I used to say, "Bringing home the silverware instead of the hardware." I don't know if you, yeah, I don't know if you remember, remember that, that. <laughs> but a couple times I said they were bringing home the silverware. Yes, uh, the, the give me those spoons. spoons. Yes, give me the spoons. Give me the spoons. <laughs> but until next time, he's the magnificent Joey Gelman, who you can find on Twitter at Joey Gelman. This fine, lovely show at Believe in Chicago on the Tweet Machine, brought to you by the fine folks of the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network. For professionals. I'm Dan Collins on the Tweet Machine at TweetDanCollins. We'll catch you fine folks next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.